This is a call to all current and aspiring entrepreneurs. How you market your business can be the difference between whether or not you succeed online. But don't worry, we're here to help with current strategies, tips, and tricks that you can apply to your online business or business idea. This is the EMJ Podcast with your host, Matt Hepburn. Today on the EMG podcast, we meet with Gary Spagnoli of Zen Anchor Digital, and we learn about the challenges that digital marketing agencies face on scaling their business and lead generation. This is going to be a great one, guys. Hope you listen. So, Gary, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me, Matt. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, you know, for some of our listeners, they don't really know what Zen Anchor is. I was hoping that you could explain to them what the agency is and what you do. That'd be sure. Yeah, sure. So I'm actually the founder of Zen Anchor Digital. Zen Anchor is a Google partnered, Facebook partnered, now Meta partnered agency that specializes in lead generation campaigns using SEO or paid media. We also provide email marketing and analytics support. Our team is fully remote, totally global. We've been doing this since 2015. I've been doing it for, I don't know, even before that, 12 years now. So I've been in, involved in the digital marketing space for 12 plus years and our team is growing. And yeah, that, that yep. gives the, the lowdown of what Zen yep. does. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Um, just as a side note, Gary and I know each other from way back when working at Martindale Hubble together. So back in Lexus 2013, Nexus. 2014 slash LexisNexis. So um, long time long time we haven't talked to each other but um yeah so let me ask you what drove you to create zen anchor was there a, a passion or did it come from you know from another project or yeah so it's um like many entrepreneurs there's a stubbornness there and so mm -hmm. what happens is you work within an organization and you think i could do this better <laughs> and so you leave and <laughs> exactly and that's what happens but uh I had left um, in 2013, I decided I could start to freelance on my own right. and I would work on WordPress websites. I was a web developer or a self-taught WordPress theme coder, you know, and not, I would not put myself in a position of, I'm not, I'm not really that good of a programmer, um, but uh, I was making websites while I was making those websites. Some of the clients that we worked with, uh, my initial clients were brick and mortars in New York. I'm based in Chicago now, but in New York, I, the first few clients I had, one was a dental practice. Another then referred me to a chiropractor. And I worked with a handful of health coaches as well and yoga teachers that just wanted a personal website. The personal website would sometimes lead into an email campaign, literally just setting up MailChimp. And it also then evolved into, hey, can you help with some of the SEO and mm -hmm. uh, the pay-per-click? Now I met you, Matt, though, because I was already a Google Ads specialist, uh, paper right. click contractor uh, within LexisNexis. I bounced around in a few big agencies. Was, I was a contractor at LexisNexis, though. So was I. So was yeah. I. I was and a, so I was SEO and SEM for years before I decided to start freelancing. But then the Zen Anchor story is, is the following. I worked as a freelancer in 2013, 2014, and I traveled around. Uh, the digital nomadic lifestyle that maybe yep. other entrepreneurs that listen to this year. Uh, uh, and by 2000, end of 2014, I started hiring uh, folks 
And I had worked with other partners in the past when I was starting to get in play, like get started with my entrepreneurial journey because I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Um, and really, it wasn't until 2014 end of it that I made my first hire for somebody to provide support to us on the SEO side. Um, no, it was actually on the PPC side. And that hire actually came through Reddit. And at that time, I decided to no longer be just, you know, the Gary Spagnoli show. I wanted to set up a brand, set up a name, and had a vision for what the agency would be, which would be a remote distributed team that provided all things digital marketing for clients in the health and wellness space. So I was thinking chiropractors, dentists, yoga studios, those types of things. We are no longer just focused on that. We've actually whittled down our service lines. We don't do websites any longer. We've tightened the services. And we still try to focus on just a handful of niches. But health and wellness is not the primary one any longer. The main one for us today is insurance. And weirdly, insurance occurred because of health and wellness, meaning I work with some dental practices and that turned into opportunities with direct-to-consumer dental insurance. And uh, that later turned into larger opportunities with insurance, which was a more lucrative space. And just there were larger marketing budgets in the space. So that's the story as to how Zen really got started and why I went down that that path. So I have to say, uh, 2013, 2014, thinking about remote work, pretty amazing compared to, you know, most of this nomadic lifestyle really kind of opportunities came really from COVID, right? It really opened up a lot more. There weren't as many, um, if you were to look for SEO or SEM jobs that were remote, most of them were, you know, you have to be on site um, until COVID happened. So um, so for you to be thinking about that, about that in 2014, 2013, uh, and really saying, this is the way I want to set up the business. That's amazing. So, well, also really, and, and thank you for the kind words, Matt, that, yeah. um, the, the way that our business accelerated, um, because at the beginning of the journey, there's highs and lows, you know, it's, you, yeah. you, you see your, your P and L going up and down, you see, you know, uh, you know, you bring on contractors to provide support, and then you realize you didn't have the systems in place to actually manage them. Uh, and, you know, it was a learning process over the first few years. But during COVID, or when COVID first began, there was a doomsday scenario for us, which was, we worked with a handful of brick and mortars. And I remember, this happened in March of 2020. They started close, you know, shutting down a lot of the sure. stores. And um, I remember there was a Monday where I lost two accounts on the same yeah. day. Our team lost two accounts. And I remember folks were like, it's not affecting you that negatively, right? Because you're in the digital ad space. And I was like, yeah, but I'm sending leads to these chiropractic centers or to these dental practices. And right. they were shut down. So... What happened was you need a place to flip those leads, right? You need to to immediately find a replacement locally where you can basically say, look, I have an abundance of leads that um, I need to switch over because businesses are closing down. Yeah. 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 And I found that these, um, what happened was there was this Monday where they, we had two accounts we lost on the same day and they were big, they're, they're big accounts. And it's because they had to pause their media spend. Yeah. You know, we were, we were spending near six figure, uh, you know, 50 to 100K per month generating leads for multiple locations for them. 
And they were like, no, let's pause this for now. And we'll reallocate for when the pandemic subsides. Right. And of course, you know, it's, the pandemic continued to get worse. Yeah. Uh, and so I was really concerned, you know, we were on the edge, but it was for us because of the remote work uh, systems we had in place. We actually end up winning more business because other agencies that I think um, grew through the relationship-based wine and dining, they were not as prepared as we were in terms of selling, pitching, putting the other proposal. You know, I've been doing video chats and video presentations for years, right. and all of a sudden we were competing with fairly large agencies for. Um, decent sized accounts and we want a couple of them. And I don't think we would have been in that position if it weren't for us already having the remote work and right. like, the operational pieces in place to sell. Yeah. Uh, having, having been in a few of those situations with larger enterprise companies, uh, they kind of scrambled um, and we're still scrambling, you know, whether they're, you know, when we were going to go back um, uh, physically and we never did. So, um, yeah, you know, and yeah. that changed that the, the evolution of being a hundred percent remote, uh, totally changed. So, yeah. It, it changed, it changed the game for a lot of folks in the digital marketing, well, in the marketing space in general, because I think, uh, the more nimble, smaller agencies sure. can adapt and, you know, some of these larger, more bureaucratic firms, it was a absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so you you mentioned uh, scaling. So I'd love to hear how, as you were starting to grow the business, and you mentioned that you you know use contractors or whatever. Um, that's always a problem um, uh, of scaling a business, uh, especially an agency. You know, how do you work on your business versus in your business? You know, mm-hmm. and how do you do that? And uh, I was wondering if you had any challenges uh, related to that when you were first. Uh, scaling up yeah so um you know i i heard uh some advice um early on that was related to how to run a professional services firm uh and there's a few books that i'd read about you know how to structure your organization um for any sort of professional services firm so that could be accounting legal consulting mm-hmm. agency, whatever people-based more so than software-based. Uh, and so the first round was reading those types of books and getting some frameworks in place. And then you try to apply those frameworks. Those frameworks will give us some structure, but um, you have to adapt them dependent on your unique organization's needs over time. Uh, when we were scaling out, I wanted to document all of our processes so that we were able to hire uh, junior folks that we could then train on how to properly execute within each of the business lines. The two primary lines for us are SEO and paid media. And so we would work with our SEO strategist along with myself to document each of the phases of work uh, and turn that not into just... Um, a written document. But in our case, we use Basecamp for a project management tool. We use Google Workspaces for um, getting those tools in place so that we'd handle some of our 
client communication. Um, and so we built out like, hey, here are the phases of work and how we structure them. And so today for Zen Anchor, their SEO phases of work as an example, we have basically six phases. We go through a discovery process, which any marketing agency or consulting right. should do. And we call that really phase zero. Uh, and the discovery process allows us to understand, you know, what are the client's goals? What are their objectives? What do they want to accomplish? And it gives us time to review both internal and external metrics. So internal meaning, how do we evaluate the success of SEO today? External meaning, what the heck are your competitors doing? And what do we see it's happening in the market? Um, it's not limited to that, but first, go through that discovery phase. Second, keyword research phase. Document every step of what it looks like to start doing the keyword research once we have all of the documentation from the discovery phase. Keyword research phase then leads into the technical audit and the technical optimization phase. What is included there? Are we doing a screening frog scrape? Are we doing Google Search right. Console? What are the tools we use? After uh, the technical audit, we then get into content optimization. So optimizing the existing content on the site. From there, we get into content development. From there, link building. But these phases of work, we had to give ourselves just chapters of the story sure, absolutely. and document each of the tasks and then literally record video on how to go through these processes so that um, other folks can help execute on it. So contractors uh, or, and then you start to look at, okay, what are the software solutions here as well that we could automate uh, right. some of those pieces? So, no, that's fantastic. It's a, uh, it's, it's a great way to, you know, have a process for everything. Um, yeah. I have, I have a book recommendation related to it too. Uh, Traction is a good book. Uh, the E-Myth Revisited, I think is a good beginner book. Um, if you're early in the journey, I think Traction, which are you familiar with that? No, that? I'm not sure about that one. Uh, who's, who's that by? Traction. I don't know who it's by. I don't even know if it's hanging out up here. All right. Uh, we'll, Traction we'll, we'll find has, it. Oh, by Wickman, W-I-C-K-M-A-N. He has um, documentation on internal operational processes. It's not related to my industry, my work particularly. It's applicable to any young company or startup. And he calls it the entrepreneurial operating system. Uh, we love and that. to this day, I follow his Monday meeting agendas. I've been doing, we've been doing that for two, three years now. And okay. it's verbatim copy and paste pasted from his his book. So we use that framework to this day. And then, you know, I mentioned uh, the Managing a Professional Services Firm, which I think is a Harvard Business Review book. I forget. Uh, but the original hierarchy of Zen Anchor to this day is based off of literal copy and paste from that book. How so, want to structure I, I think that that is probably the best thing they're going to get out of this podcast is re really about how to make processes for their own business, yeah. how to make processes for the marketing of their business um, so they can scale, right? And because as an agency um, without a process, it's very, very hard when, especially if you're starting up as, as a solo entrepreneur, uh, how do you move from, you know, getting getting deals to working on the deals, how to expand, you can only make do a certain amount of deals yourself. You have to at some point hire more people to do it. And you know, there's a common phrase of, well, I can't clone myself, right? 
So how do you do that? So having processes in place that are this detailed would be that how you would actually um, make that happen. There are, there are platforms I would recommend too. Like I experimented with trainual.com. Um, trainual allows you, and I'm not affiliated and also I'm not using them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> trainual, it allows you to document um, and like screenshot and annotate, you know, some of your flow and it, it, it's right. a really helpful structure. Uh, but that gave us guidance. Um, but today the way we document everything is through Google Docs, Basecamp, Loom videos that we record. Loom videos. And, yeah. And yeah. And, and they see in the culture how things need to be executed because right. our, our organization, you know, we have a team of 12 people and they're kind of working around the clock because we have team members in India, the Philippines, Africa, right. Europe, and in the States. So it's wonderful. Diverse. Love it. Yeah. Yep. Diverse environments are really, really important for, I, we were talking about this before we, we started the, the interview, but really give a wonderful, wonderful environment for people to feel accepted. And um, you're more likely to have employees who stay on longer um, when you have a diverse environment, when you guys are all aligned to, um, these are the goals of the company. And um, this is the moral compass of the company. Uh, and they're natural fits for that when you have an employee that 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 can align to that versus somebody who comes in because they have the technical chops, but they're not aligned to that. That type of employee will be gone in six to 12 months, probably of his own accord uh, or from not being a good fit and having been kicked out. So, yeah, I, I, I totally agree, Matt. And I think that culture fit is critical. Um, we have had to let go of folks in the past that weren't in alignment with the Zen anchor culture. And that is something also that you can't learn in the books no. until you start to hire, because you be realize there are things that are slightly differentiated by individuals that help make this crew. Right. And an example with our organization, that is a, a cultural difference, which I don't advise every organization to do this, but we don't use Slack. I'm anti-Slack. Right. And the reason that we don't believe in Slack is because we have a totally distributed team, there is less real-time communication, and we expect longer-form written content. And so when we go through the hiring process, um, I really like to optimize towards readers and writers and you know, folks that have English degree or you know, a, a major in literature of some sort. Mm -hmm. um, and it's because we focus on longer form written development, not just from SEO, like for the client internally, right. you know, right. when we're writing, when you're writing up a brief, it can't be shorthand. It, it needs to be as, as detailed as possible. And I have found that, you know, I've hired other folks from other agencies that takes some time. That takes some time to learn because they're used to, you know, jumping into the room and whiteboarding it out. Uh, and for us, we prefer written communication in some scenarios. So, and you might read books that don't give you that guidance. No, I, I love it. I love it. I, but I also do like the diagram of, of, of whiteboard as well, um, yeah. as to show like what are, you know, I, I want to have uh, an image of what this is supposed to do at the same time where I have the written description. I think for me, I like both uh, together. Yeah. Uh, understood. Yeah. So th this is uh, 
fantastic they've been able to grow your team like this. Um, can you give some advice for new business owners uh, or ones who are struggling, um, maybe from the pandemic or whatever, um, to generate new business? How sure. would how would you recommend doing that uh, while they're also scaling their their employees working in the business? Sure. Um, so there's a couple of easy levers. Let me give you four that as to how I organize um, at Zen internally now. And you know, it, it related to scale that you mentioned earlier, there are ways to scale out for sales, and there's ways to scale out for fulfillment and actual ops internally. Our organization is now more focused on the ops and um, making sure that we can handle volume uh, because luckily enough, we actually have a pretty strong sales pipeline right now. Uh, the way in which we would generate business initially, I'll give you four. First, heard from others, probably read it online, is going to be referrals. Yep. Do good work. Do good work. And don't be afraid to ask. Ask for referrals. I don't think you need to build like a full referral system and all these things. I think you just need to literally pick up the phone and ask them or just send them an email. Hey, do you have any other business? Don't be ashamed of that. And because if they're really happy with your work, people want to show you off. You yeah, know? absolutely. Absolutely. I, I I still have people that come to me uh, years after, you know, managers that I, that I used to work with uh, who would call me up and say, hey, are, are you still consulting on the side? Yeah. Uh, so just and out of the blue, very feel, feel very heartfelt that they would think of me, but um, doing good work is important. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we're not fully at a position yet to really evaluate things like net promoter score and NPS because we're a smaller firm. You know, we're a firm that focuses on closer relationships, but it is something in the long term plan where right. we would evaluate, OK, well, how many referrals did this one up, this client, this relationship lead to? And yeah, what is our MPS with them? And we don't have to do that today. And I made the mistake of actually starting to set up some of the systems to do this. Yeah. You don't need to do that if you have less than 25 clients, right? Like just talk to them. <laughs> um, so now you're leading me into a new question though. Um, <laughs> so you immediately wanted to like, what's retention like at Zen Anchor? Uh, how long does a client usually stay um yeah yeah because that's always it's always a tricky tricky yeah. uh field to play so we try to bring on folks for 12 month long contracts and our retention right now is about 18 months um some of our relationships we've had for five years now i've been working with some accounts for a very long time um if you looked at the average it's a, going to be above 18 months but our median, because we've grown since 2021, 2020 and 2021, I would say it's about 18 right now. Now, the other ways, though, that we could uh, an organization could potentially grow is first referral. Second is going to be partnerships. So I mentioned at the top that I cut away some of our business lines. And right. so what happens is then I, I, if opportunities come up for website development, for example, we developed relationships of reliable website partners. And I have three website partners uh, today, and none of them were contracted, at least initially. It was a handshake deal. Like, hey, I'll refer business to you. And some of that has led to a financial return for us. But the most important thing is that they provide good work and make sure that they, it, you know, we're referring 
a good partner that actually hits their deadlines and executes. Those partners, though, can also refer work to us. And so we actively looked for um, firms that don't do SEO and pay-per-click or right. CM or social media advertising. And it has led to business for us. In addition to the partnerships, that is uh, more relationship-based. I did also go down the route of getting like Google Premier Partner, Facebook Partner, Active Campaign Partner, Unbounce Partner. You worked with SEM Rush, SEMrush for a moment. I, I don't yep. think we're an official partner there, but I have a rep there. Yep. And I, I thought that would be helpful. Um, to be honest, for our organization, it has not led to any leads. Uh, it yep. may have helped in the sales closing process, but hasn't really led to new business. It's just something nice to include in your sales materials. Um, so partners is one. The third is going to be brokers. And we had two relationships, uh, Credo and Brief. Uh, we had accounts on. Um, both of them basically offer qualified leads at a paid level for digital marketing agencies. But it, no matter what business you're in, you can look for you know lead brokers. I, I mean, we work a lot in the insurance space, and they work with lead brokers quite a bit. And then the fourth is, of course, your website itself. So your own marketing. That's all the way down the pipeline in my space because it is uh, very relationship heavy in terms of the types of, because I'm focused heavily in the insurance and the health and wellness industry, but you should be doing marketing for yourself too. And so, you know, building out your site, building out your social media presence, uh, that of course leads to leads as well. So that's kind of the four that we look at or I look at within the organization and evaluate our lead pipeline in the sales. But of course there are other models and then, you know, affiliate could be kind yep, of over. Absolutely. Yeah. So that is, um, the wonder, wonderful to hear about the partnership uh, and along with referral being at the top, you know, which is not necessarily the norm. Usually that's much lower down in the pipeline and um, it's more paid and, and uh, SEO and directly from what, what's the website is generating uh, to bring in lead generation. So that is, that is phenomenal. Um, so, um, I was, you know, I'm kind of stumped by that because that that's just not the the industry norm, you know. Uh, so well, that's how we grew, and so like I said, related to like how we write and the cultural differences. Yeah, sometimes things are a little bit different, you know, as you start to grow. No, that that is that's fantastic. Um, what what kind of breakthrough or aha moments have you had over um, the five years that you've had, or five plus years with the business? that uh you might have had a stumbling block and and uh, you were able to overcome it you know what type of growing pains have you had that um that the listeners might say uh, oh i can avoid this misstep yeah so um well, let's get into the finance stuff for a moment sure so i can think of two that i will get into the first is make sure that your revenue centers your service lines uh, you are able to measure a PL on them um, and see how profitable the projects are. And so what we found at the end of 2019 was the website projects and web development projects that we were working on uh, had either the smallest profit margin or was unprofitable. So it's unusual because it was actually a good share of revenue. But Every website project we brought on 
expanded beyond scope. Yep. And oftentimes it was break even. And I thought the project was ending break even at the time. But then once I had the full um, P&L at the end of the year from that line of how much we invoiced and then how much we had spent servicing that was associated with that business, it was much tighter and and probably unwise to continue to do. So what we learned is that I was not efficient or our organization was not efficient at creating websites like others may, may be. And so we were we weren't scoping it out properly. You know, we had worked with a lot of accounts. My experience uh, when I first started Zen was creating websites on WordPress for, you know, two grand, five grand, 10 grand, yeah. smaller. Sm- let's quickly make a website. Um, what I found is the type of clients we were working with, they require a higher up market for yeah. you can't make a website in our industry. Your pricing needs to be much higher, you know. <laughs> you know, I was still probably pricing it based off of, you know, working with smaller, you know, quick, you know, landing page type sites. And yeah, there were just a lot more hour hours, quality assurance, you know, debugging, fixing issues. And so uh yeah, there was an aha moment after evaluating the finances. So get your revenue center and your PL in order by individual yeah. service line. That's one thing. The second thing was making sure that um, the uh, the reporting within uh, our organization was not optimized towards the metrics that may matter to the client the most. And I'll give you an example. On the SEO side, what you look at is keyword rankings. You look at visibility. You look at traffic. And the client... Uh, we're sending reports that show how those keywords are doing. Um, but I started to realize the client actually, what they ultimately say they want for evaluation is not always in alignment with absolutely really make them happy. Right. And we started to frame our services around lead generation because there are elements that are outside of our control. Once a lead enters the pipeline to be sold on. Um, and so we felt as though we could have an impact on driving quality traffic and evaluating how many of those turn into leads using a, a baseline. So the aha moment was really, let's not just report on keyword rankings in the SEO line, for example. Um, let's also report on you know, how many leads are coming in. And you know, ultimately, we want to look at how much money is coming in. But that is right. not the one that it's not it's not as it's not as easy depending upon the business but yeah, yeah how many conversions they're getting for whatever the goal is that that you're actually measuring right yeah yeah and and on paid media that was more explicit so our pay per click right. line because you can measure roas and roi it's much harder with seo right yeah. as to say what is the so it it's more down to what form completion was done what action was taken or maybe it might be a uh What's the last touch, or how many touches did uh, organic actually, uh, you know, contribute towards the amount of conversions that happened? Right. Yeah, yeah. and I think the aha. So the fir- first aha is really measure P and L by service line. The second is ask the client how they evaluate the success of this channel, and even if they do say it's just going to be based off of traffic, I still think you need to dig a little deeper to see like, well, what would make you. Uh, you know, what, 
it's managing up to the account and you know what's going to help you get that promotion what's going to impress the c-suite within your organization right and what's going to yeah get them to be adding this to their their powerpoint that they're presenting on their in their quarterly business review or whatever um so i'm going to add another thing on to here from my experience and see if it aligns here so uh, in enterprise and mid-sized businesses, what I find is the, a lot of different departments within the business have different setups of subdomains and and even analytic accounts, and it's really hard to track. So um, it's cross-analytic conversions uh, from from uh, maybe um, a partner website over to the main marketing website, and. They haven't really thought through how they're going to measure that conversion or traffic going from one platform to another. So I'm sure a lot of these processes had to come up with in similar situations where you have that, how are you going to measure that? And you have to make recommendations to the business saying, well, how are you going to, to, you know, how are you measuring it? You know, if you can't, if you don't have a goal on this other subdomain, but you have the goal on the main marketing domain, but you're driving traffic from the marketing page over to the partner subdomain website how are you measuring that yeah yeah and i think it's really you know we're recording this it's the beginning of the year yeah and i think it's really important to put together a plan with the client of well this is our expectation on traffic and you do want to be conservative with it you we want to be realistic um you, 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 and a lot of times entrepreneurs can get very that you should be naturally optimistic if you're trying to go down this route um I think it's important to look at year-over-year trends, month-over-month trends, and how far they're off on plan. Yeah, and that's how we some some of our reporting is sophisticated from the eyes of our industry, but from a C-suite, the thing that they usually care the most about is in as simple as Excel. I get a guess. Quarter over quarter, year over year, how are they doing? Right? Are they exceeding? Yeah, they 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 want to just know if the, if they th- that's their PL, right? Are they are they hitting their numbers or are they below? And these goals that we've just been talking about, right? That's how they can measure that, right? With uh, with a monetary amount associated with a goal. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I I think that in in our space of SEO and paid media, a lot of folks sometimes miss that. They 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 miss mm-hmm. they they they're very impressed by, you know, um, driving a ton of traffic. We have an account that had had done extraordinarily well with driving significant traffic volume, but it just wasn't really converting still. Mm-hmm. And you know, at the at the C suite level, it's irrelevant if we're getting. You know, we went from getting like 6,000 visits to 160,000 visits, even though the volume of leads did ultimately go up. It didn't scale at the same level in other it, spaces. It's it, because it, we targeted two top of funnel, two top right. of funnel. And what you're going to get from uh, listeners from that is a response from the C-suite saying the traffic is irrelevant yeah, because, yeah, exactly. because it's not converting. And they, they don't listen to the tactics. They don't want to know about it, but they just know that it's not converting and there's this large increase of traffic. So you, we have to go back and examine what we're doing uh, with those different teams and uh, come up with a strategy. I think within the marketing line, the um, for better or worse, 
um, I think the majority of C-suite cares about just three things. And one of them is going to be the financial metrics. Mm-hmm. So how is this helping me hit my PL or hit my goal? The second is the strategy in the short term. And the third is going to be vision long term. Like where are we really headed if we're not hitting the PL and the strategy in the short term is a little bit shaky? Is this in alignment with the long term vision on that marketing or the SEO side? Like we're revamping the website and maybe this first round of content change and content development is causing volatility, but we have to take these risks and make these changes. And if we can communicate that with the CEO or the CMO, um, they will be a little bit more uh, receptive to, to experimenting and testing things out. They won't necessarily care about, you know, web traffic, like you said, Matt. And um, I think that those things do matter. But if we're talking C-suite, yeah, they they just they, they want P&L. They want yeah, they, they they really want it. So where it will matter is from what from my experiences, right? If the traffic's increasing quarter over quarter, year over year, whatever it is, and the leads are increasing at the same time, yeah, then that's a win-win, right? Yeah. Um, but when they're not aligned, that's when they're they basically say we're out of alignment with them because um, you know, the leads aren't increasing. Yeah. So we have to uh go back and evaluate with those teams but yeah anyway it's it's always a challenge right um so i'm gonna ask you um what would you do if you could do everything over again would you do anything differently um with your business um not saying any regrets but how would you talk to your younger self and say you really need to do this in a different way you know um what I would have continued to do, which I fell off from doing, is you need to continue to run. You got to continue to do some of the work, even if for yourself. And so, you know, I'm not actively running SEO for these small websites that I own today, or not that actively. I, I am a partner in a couple of things that we're offering our services too, but I think that. The organization, you need to let go and you need to delegate, you need to manage folks, you need to document all of your processes. But I think on the side, you should be spending, you know, five to 10% of your time, you know, running your own little experiments. And something that I think I did wrong maybe two years after the fact is just completely let go of that. And that can hurt you when you're talking down to the tactical level. And so, Um, I'm trying to get better at that in 2023, meaning I'm literally running Google ads campaigns for myself right now and some other small businesses. (laughs) And it's not my team. It's not my team. It's me running it. And uh, uh, I think it's important though, because I want to better understand the features and understand the things that we're selling and servicing and offering to other accounts at a a deeper level. Uh, Another thing that maybe we may have done wrong or I may have done wrong at the beginning was you have to have a mission and you have to have your values documented. And they will evolve over time. Uh, and I've heard this from other entrepreneurs and mentors. And I didn't think it was that important because what I think is important is sometimes business metrics of like, hey, are we growing? Are we bringing on more leads? Um, but as you start to hire and you start to see the organization run without you, 
you want to make sure it's in alignment with your values and what you you think is uh, an organization that you're proud of that you built. And so that should be documented early on. There's a book by um, the founder of Patagonia, uh, which I think is called Let My People Go Surfing or <laughs> Let My People Go Surfing might be the name. I have to Google it. All right. Yeah. Uh, the Evolution of a Reluctant Businessman. Right. Uh, I read it in Q4 last year, like towards the end of last year. And yeah, I thought it was a very good read. And it was actually originally the HR manual of Patagonia that has evolved over time. And yeah, I think that yeah, having your values documented is important. So if you were going to give your values in a one-liner, I'll give you my one after you give me yours. Uh, what would you say with one line to, um, or one sentence to, to say what your values are? Uh, lead with empathy. Yeah. Lead with empathy. That so, would be one of the, the most important things. I think that is important to you. Mine's right here. So. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's I always think, near me. Yeah. I, I think it's just very important to um, be empathetic to the struggle. Uh, the challenges of running a business and the challenges that everyone is facing in terms of trying to, you know, achieve their goals. So I, 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 that's wonderful. So I'll tell you mine by serving others, we find purpose. So, yeah, I love that. Yeah. I love that. Matt, I believe you, you're that that is a very, uh, uh, biblical type. Yeah. That's, that's, that to me, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, (laughs) Uh, yeah, so we're Protestant, but uh, yeah, by serving others, we find purpose. That's that's yeah, awesome. I like it. So, um, so just just a few more. This this has been an absolutely amazing uh, episode. Um, what are your goals for twenty twenty three? And what do you see changing in the landscape? What do you think uh, are the big items that are happening uh, in, in digital marketing? So. Um, it, there are two different ways to answer this because mm-hmm. one is um, selfish or related to Zen specifically, and the other is what I think on a more macro lens. And macro lens we care about, but it's not necessarily the, you know critical to some of the goals for Zen Anchor. So um, Zen, our goal is to continue to grow by hiring. Um, right. We need to bring on more strategists that help us. Um, provide the lead generation types of campaigns in the industries that we specialize in. We're also trying to tighten the industries that we work within, uh, particularly within the insurance space. And so um, we have explicit goals towards lead sales revenue. um, And we expect to grow at least 25% this year. That's Um, a big number. And I expect that we will hit it. I don't don't think it's a, a super... Super BHAG type of goal, but um, I think it's it's possible. But what I'm seeing happening in the industry uh, outside of Zen is, you know, we know the AI is taking everything over. Chat, <laughs> chat GPT. I think the Chat GPT is um, giving us a sense of how important it is to have creative people and having um, a diverse and inclusive environment so that you're getting unique perspectives when you're building out any sort of marketing campaign Um, because the AI tools are only as good as the prompt and you need to have smart, clever, unique prompts to 
uh, really get the most out of them. And the, the magic is always in the editing. There, there are lots of filmmakers that have spoken about this and studied some public television. Uh, yeah, the magic is in the editing. And so yeah. if we're going to use it for writing the copy and writing uh, content, it's important to still have some sort of human review. So AI, I think, is going to be one big thing. The second thing is the iOS changes that happened a couple of years ago that affected all the Facebook pixel tracking also has an implication on analytics and the Google Analytics for migration. Going to go there right with you. So, Yeah. So those are the two, though, that I see on a macro level that are, you know, having an influence on our mm-hmm. business, uh, on Zen Anchor's business, but at a huge level, like in the industry. Yeah, they, they, it's a tidal wave. The AI stuff and the new um, analytics platforms that are more sophisticated, that are GDPR compliant, are... Going compliant. right there with you. So I don't use Google Analytics anymore. I use Plausible Analytics, which yeah. is pixel tracking. And um, it's... So there's a bunch of uh, conventions that we have to have for GDPR. Right. So the data should never leave the UK, has to stay in the UK. So it's the database centers are in uh, the companies in Estonia. So it's already there. Um, And then things like um, Google Analytics would use things like what IP address are you coming from to determine location? Right. So um, that all that information needs to be anonymized so that uh, it doesn't have a personal. Uh, attribute associated with the, the the cookie that's going through with it. Even if it was using a cookie, it needs to be an you know anonymous, so it's not associated with a, a person. Yeah, um, we were talking about plausible before this. I, I will definitely experiment. It, it is a really really light script compared to to uh, Google Analytics. So uh, it's not free like Google Analytics. You have to pay for it, but it's not. Um, you know, overly expensive. And, uh, I would definitely check it out. Uh, it meets a lot of the GDPR compliance, um, that companies like, uh, Google are not meeting right now. So, um, it basically, uh, whether it's universal analytics or, or GA4, they both fail for GDPR. So, yeah. 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 I think that, um, yeah, that's a great recommendation. I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. I think that the analytics stuff, though, is 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 big because legacy models of how you did we did marketing attribution. When I say legacy models, I literally mean like from the direct mail days, like fifty yeah. and beyond. I think those will continue to make some level of return because we're looking at things like Triple Whale and North Beam, which I've experimented with. You were mentioning plausible. I'll, I'll investigate that. Um, yeah, there's just a lot of um, change that. You know, the change happened a couple of years ago, but now we're, there's solutions, I guess, from that change. So, so, so you mentioned email marketing. So even things like, um, you know, I use ConvertKit for, um, for email marketing. It's, it's absolutely amazing, but, um, and you have the ability as with a normal email campaign to opt out, you know, if somebody wants to opt out from their personal information, but when you start adding things on top of that, like things like write message, which helps you segment out your list. Yeah. Right? Um, the problem is that's another personal information uh, that's added, but it's in a different database, even though it's associated with your email marketing. And how does somebody request for that to be removed for GDPR? So there's a lot of things that are coming up on how we segment our data. 
uh, in digital marketing that need to be considered in 2023. Um, I think, and then, then we have, you know, it's not like semantic SEO is, is, is a new thing. It's been, been around for a lot. Uh, but 2018, I think they opened the, the topic, uh, Google opened the topic, topic, um, Topic clusters and the clusters topic with with into entities into the knowledge panel and uh, we're just seeing a lot of maturity in tools. Uh, yeah. I think um, and we're looking at machine learning as well. So one of those tools that I would recommend um, that everybody take a look at is Market Muse, and uh, we had another episode on that. Um, but whereas it's different from Chat GBT. Uh, it doesn't write the content for you, but what it does is you put in a top level topic and it will give you other topics versus, uh, keywords. Um, so it's much more relatable and it's relatable to the knowledge panel. Uh, I still think what we need to do, um, once we go to that level is look at our main topics within the knowledge panel, look at the categorization of what people have and then go, Oh, we need to make, um, here are categories for our topic. These are our top levels. And then we can dive down further, answer questions, um, make more relevant content that way. Uh, I think that's kind of where the future, uh, my prediction, at least on where content marketing is going to go uh, to make it more relevant. We're seeing this old skyscraper content, long form content, no longer performing because it doesn't have relevance on the rest of the website. We have to have the relevance of the rest of the content where, where it works with uh, internal links or even the cloud NLP. Uh, there are tools out now where you can take a competitor's links or the, the links from the top 10 search results and put it in there and see what link matches up to the category that Google's uh, in that's the top 10 is very, is very interesting. And then you can see, oh, this is quality because it matches up by how Google is matching this up by entity versus I think it's because it's a DA 90, you know, and, and it's, we think it's relevant. Let Google tell us what's relevant. So, yeah, yeah, no, I love that. I, I, I am definitely going to experiment with market news. I think that Matt, you and I, we should have discussions outside of the pod <laughs> about this because yeah. I do think there is going to be ch some changes on yeah. how SEO will be structured moving forward, particularly when it comes from a link building perspective, because we've already always talked about things related to social media. Um, I mean, it's, you know, it's going on for 10 years now and distributed out on social as well. But I think that um, the topic organization and that internal linking has an implication for how you distribute out the content beyond what's already on your website and I'm a big fan of Ross Simmons on Twitter, who offers, you know, his simple mantra is publish once, distribute everywhere. And he he says that from uh, like a holistic digital marketing model. Mm -hmm. I think of that from a link building model as well, though. <laughs> so, so to me, it sounds more like relevant PR, right? So that that to me, and then if we're going to go with internal linking, especially with larger financial, I'm going to just go to your financial sites, right? Uh, what I would do as I would use another strategy for internally is I would use Screaming Frog. I would basically find if I, if we have a, you know, maybe what we're going to do is we'll use something like Market Muse to say like, hey, here's our our, our content topic, right? And now we're going to find 
we're going to, do, to approach this two different ways. We're going to look at all the main keywords within the subheadlines of that piece of content. Um, so let's actually first with that um, crawl that domain and just do a custom search for any in, within HTML, any page or blog post that shows up with that. Mm-hmm. And then we'll we'll uh, export that into a list, and we'll go we'll go look at that to make sure that it's it's relevant. But if it's relevant, if it's relevant, then that's a great internal link opportunity, especially if it's something whereas this is long form early content about you know what is this right? And then if the word is you know if it's one word, then that's a, that's a really realistic uh, internal link, right? Wow. Um, the second one is going in and taking those topics with something like Market Muse, uh, the other t- related topics, and crawling the site and seeing if you have any of those. Uh, if not, then something like Market Muse would say, like, what are the different topic clusters that these the whole industry has? You know, or a thousand different web pages that are competing for this has, and how much do you have, and how much do you not have? Yeah. Right. Um, and if you want to rank more, you need to be more comprehensive on the content that you rank here and on a local for small business or mid-sized, uh, businesses, it's, it's easier because you're, you're talking about smaller topics and it might be location-based. So entrepreneurs and listeners shouldn't be freaking out when we're talking about this on the enterprise level. But if you're looking at on a smaller business website, you can do that by, uh, not covering like enterprise co- companies do a multitude of topics. Be very niche, niche down into what your business is about, who you are about, and talk about what services that you have, and then the other topics around that relate to it. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I love yeah the the focus your site around that specific niche. Yeah, is is critical from an SEO lens. If yeah. you're yeah yeah I, uh, in um. In a time before Zen Anchor uh, was built out, and I was making sites to attempt them to get ranking, you know, I had uh, a site that was focused literally on rock, paper, scissors that uh, did fairly well in terms of driving organic traffic and affiliate. And it's not as though there aren't a ton of people on wikis writing about rock, paper, scissors, but <laughs> we had a blog that was explicit to that. And I think it's important to 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 niche down. Um, from an SEO lens and it's important from a business lens, but I also think that I hear that advice so frequently and it's difficult in reality. And I think you start broad and then you niche down to a degree. You find it over. It's better to choose one initially, but you know, you might've chosen wrong. <laughs> so so, so since, we're talking about, since we're talking about niching down and I kind of got us off track and I apologize for that. No, um, what makes Zen anchor, different from the other agencies that are out there? Yeah, I think that we have experience within specific industries, the insurance, the health and wellness uh, space. No one has the same level of lead generation experience uh, in in the world. And uh, I mean, we today manage some of the direct consumer uh, advertising for one of the largest dental insurance spenders in the world uh, in terms of TV media buy. And we are handling some of the digital media buy for them. And there aren't that many that are doing dental direct consumer. Uh, we have that experience. I, you know, the work we've done 
uh, with a company called the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which offers health coach certifications. I've worked with them back in like 2013, 2014. Um, that has given us an opportunity to see how a lot of yoga teachers, chiropractic centers, and health and wellness businesses are structured. And we've been doing this for 10 years now. So uh, there aren't too many other digital agencies with that level of experience. I, I would contend none. There are none, no others. And both of those are in markets that are growing too for us because, um, yeah, more and more folks are obviously focusing on their health, on on wellness, and that will continue to accelerate. And uh, we we tend to optimize towards businesses that are in that space. So, I could even see some of that being uh, the yoga stuff being uh, digitally provided uh with with covid right so they don't have to actually be present right yeah we have worked with a handful of accounts that offer digital classes only um and help them with you know booking the the registrants for those classes and running social media advertising campaigns and building out means that that lead generation is anywhere for yeah. those, right so it's not localized right yeah yeah that that's that's amazing so um, earlier, I talked about um, expanding uh, your team, right? And uh, I know you have a site, I believe it's anchor.com forward slash jobs. Is that correct for the the teams that you're looking to hire? Yeah, so anchor.com slash jobs. We're hiring right now. I'm looking for an SEO specialist. We're also hiring for a paid media manager or PPC manager um, to help us with all of our social media and, and social campaigns. Uh, and as well as an email marketing specialist, there may be additional roles up there, uh, but we're growing right now. It's anchor.com slash jobs, totally remote, fully distributed. Um, there is no office. We, you can see all the perks benefits on the site. Uh, yeah, we're hiring. That's amazing. All right, guys, you've heard it here. Go to anchor.com forward slash jobs and apply. So with that, I'm going to. Wish Gary a good evening, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Are you ready to break through to accelerate online business growth? Then join our email list at emjpodcast.com so we can keep you up to date with the latest strategies, tips, and tricks that you'll want to know. Also, please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. This is the EMJ Podcast with Matt Hepburn, and we'll see you next time.